0: I'm Kate Daniels, Wonderland Kids. The name has a glow about it. As well, it should, for the work that this fine family and child services does in our community, and I dare say many of us may not be aware of it. So this is our great opportunity this morning to learn of this important work, to avail ourselves of the services potentially, or be a connector for families we may know who could use such support and then to be great supporters of the work itself, because it is so vital to the health and well-being of really all of us. So let's meet Michelle Stiller-Bradley, Director of Services and Programs for Wonderland Kids. Michelle Stiller-Bradley, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. It is really just such a privilege to have you here, to have this conversation, something that I think perhaps nags at many of us. It certainly is something that that I've wondered about, and all of a sudden I became aware of Wonderland Kids, Mm -hmm. which is just amazing, and and the work that's being done, and not just now, but this has been going on for 50 years, right? It has, yeah. This is our 50th year. Just amazing that all of this has been going on and I've never heard of you, maybe a lot of people haven't, and yet the work that you do with families and kids, kids with special needs, with disabilities,
1: with challenges, we need you. We need the organization here. Yeah, definitely. We're very passionate about what we do. We've been doing this work for so many years and in so many school districts and neighborhoods. Supporting a lot of families. Throughout the Puget Sound area, right? So our agency currently serves uh, Seattle School District, Shoreline, Edmonds, North Shore, uh, and Lake Washington School Districts. Early intervention is bound by school district boundaries at this point, And so those are the school districts we contract with and are able to provide services to families in those areas.
0: So very fortunate for those families because just Mm -hmm. give us, if you would, kind of an overview of the kind of work that you do and and being able to do some intervening.
1: Sure. What we've been doing for 50 years, and as we'll talk about soon, is that there's been a little bit of a shift or an expansion at Wonderland into something new and exciting. But the work we've been doing for 50 years that is really the heart and soul of Wonderland is early intervention for children birth to three. We provide supports for children and families uh, in the home environment, their natural learning environment, which is where most parents spend their time with their kids. So it's very convenient for them to have us come to them as opposed to coming to a clinic. And we're also able to see how the kids are functioning in their home environment and help parents feel successful with their children in their home environment, which is really the most important place for them to experience success and to learn new skills. We serve children with all kinds of delays and disabilities and medical challenges. We may have a child come to us with just uh, some challenges with articulation and they work with a speech therapist only. And we may have uh, a child with catastrophic seizure disorder or tubular sclerosis or some, uh, some pretty significant medical issues and, um, and they're considered medically fragile and we have to provide greater supports and work with a whole medical team in the community to make sure that that child is cared for. But all of our services are comprehensive, including the whole family in the process. And so these
0: situations that that you're mentioning, Michelle, are um, things that happen that are perhaps birth defects, perhaps something that's happened during the birth process, maybe something after birth. And I think another layer that's been added on and uh, is something that you have been dealing with, Wonderland Kids has been, is children who have
1: fetal alcohol syndrome as well, right? Yeah. So the kids that we see, many of them are born with their delays and disabilities. Others, it may be environmental. They may have experienced a lot of trauma that causes some delays. We have some children we see after injury, after traumatic brain injury or accidents, that then uh, it impacts their development. And so we work with kids who are coming to us for so many different reasons. Um, But one definitely is prenatal substance exposure, including fetal alcohol syndrome. And I'm thinking of that in terms of the fact that
0: this has been going on for 50 years in terms of Wonderland Kids. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, we're seeing so much more because of all the the drugs and, and the old opioid epidemic and Mm -hmm. all kinds of that type of substance abuse.
1: Yeah, I think as tragic as the opioid epidemic is, it is calling attention to a problem that's been in existence uh, throughout all of time. And uh, alcohol use during pregnancy has long been an issue. And it's really hard to draw attention to that and get people to listen to that. And there's misperceptions and misinformation that is out there about... Uh, what is safe to do during pregnancy and the impact that it can have on the developing fetus. And so the fact that the opioid crisis is sort of front and center right now has allowed us to create a program that will address the needs of kids who are born to uh, mothers who have used opiates, but also really look at the bigger picture, that there are many other substances, including alcohol, prescription medication, methamphetamine, cocaine, Cigarettes can cause, uh, can have a large impact on child development. So we're able to take what is a crisis right now and use this opportunity to really educate the community uh, about the risks, the dangers, and how many children are impacted by this. And hopefully this education
0: is happening before pregnancy occurs, but we know that's not the case for whatever reason. So we're having Way too many children, you know, those poor infants born this way in in great distress. And we see that, that there is help. Probably the help is still not sufficient, I think, compared to what the great need is.
1: Yeah, it still really is few and far between. When we first started looking into developing a program to serve children with prenatal substance exposure, we pretty much came up empty. It was really surprising and really disheartening to see that there were people here or there doing the work. There was a lot of research being done and a lot of evidence-based programs out there, but people aren't fully utilizing them. And so the services just aren't substantial enough and aren't available enough for families. And so that's what we started looking at is we know the impact. There's research out there that shows the devastation and the impact that prenatal exposure can cause for children for the rest of their lives. It's not just a short-term issue. But where are the services and supports that really hone in on the specialized needs of these kids? And so that's what we started to, uh, that was sort of the light bulb moment of we're not finding, uh, we're looking in the community, we're not finding it out there. Maybe we need to create something like this. And that's where you're at. And that's where we're at. Yes. Yes.
0: So tell us about this light bulb moment and really where you are now, what we're moving
1: towards. Sure. Uh, Several years ago in our early intervention program, which, as I mentioned, is really the heart and soul of what Wonderland has been for 50 years, there was a new program in King County that started automatically referring children born with substances in their system to early intervention. And while the early intervention agencies, such as ours, we were all very excited to be seeing these kids who would otherwise be falling through the cracks, many of whom would otherwise fall through the cracks, we also started noticing some differences in the children. We noticed that the standardized testing we were using, they weren't really capturing the delays and deficits that these kids were struggling with and facing. We also began to notice that a lot of kids with prenatal substance exposure developmentally look really good in those first three years. So we were serving them in those first three years and then sending them off to nothing for the most part. They didn't qualify for developmental preschool because their delays weren't showing up enough at that time. And what we started to do, we started to really look into it and research it and connect with the uh, UW FAS DPN clinic, which has been in existence for over 25 years. And they are the ones who created the four-digit diagnostic code for FASD that's used worldwide. So we are so fortunate to have Susan Astley-Hemingway and her team literally in our backyard as a resource. Mm -hmm. So we started talking with her uh, about the issue and about the problem and what can be done to address it and realizing that there are differences in children who have prenatal exposure. And one of those differences is that often the delays and the challenges do show up later in early childhood. And so uh, just knowing that they're doing great those first three years doesn't mean they're getting a clean bill of health and a check and you're good to go. We really uh, need to educate parents about what to look out for. And that as higher level skills are expected, different parts of their brain are being called into action. And that's when you start to find out, was that the part of the brain that was damaged or not? And that continues throughout their childhood. Uh, So it really is a sort of watch-and-see game, provide support, be ready to act, know what resources are in the community if your child does start to struggle. And uh, so gathering that information, training with Dr. Astley and her team, led us down the path of exploring opening an FASD diagnostic clinic specifically. That's her passion. That's her niche. That's what she is known for uh, in the world. And as we started talking to people, In that field, we realized that it was a bigger issue at hand and that we didn't want to just focus on prenatal alcohol exposure. We wanted to be able to provide support for children and families dealing with all kinds of prenatal substance exposures because a lot of the problems, there are similarities and there are differences, but there are enough similarities and enough of a need for support that we really felt like we need to be able to address that. Uh, in a way that we haven't seen others be able to yet consistently and long-term, and certainly not in our community. So that's what we've, we've done. We created something called Hope Rising Clinic for Prenatal Substance Exposure. We went to experts nationwide and worldwide, and I remember having individual meetings with many of them, which I was so honored and humbled to be able to have with these people that I, where I'd read their work for years, and here I was sitting down having coffee with them, And I posed the question, I said to each one of them, if you could create any program for children with prenatal substance exposure, what would it look like? And their eyes would light up. And many of them said, this has been a dream of theirs for 20, 30 years. And they would just share such a wealth of passion and information and ideas with me. And so uh, Hope Rising Clinic really is a culmination of people who have come before us that have done the research, that have created the evidence-based programs that are out there that we're now going to utilize. And we're, we're creating this model with input from the experts out there and hopefully carrying forward the passion that they all have put into this.
0: And so therefore, this will be serving uh, infants through
1: three years, but beyond as well. Yes, the, and that's uh, one of the really important components of this that's very new for Wonderland. Because these kids often have uh, delayed challenges after age three, we recognize that we need to go beyond that, that that's sometimes when the problems are just showing up. And so Hope Rising Clinic will be serving kids up to age 13 as a starting place. Possibly we'll expand that down the road, but that's what we um, as an agency and our board decided we're ready to do this at this point learn all the skills and strategies for working with children that are a little bit older than our usual demographic, and then we'll go from there and see what the need is in the community. We're really hoping to take what our found the foundation that we've built and continue building it and changing it based on what the needs are in the community rather than what we think we should be doing. We want input. We want feedback. We want to find out what's working for these families, and that will take time.
0: And I'm, I think, I feel that the need is... Huge, and so you're beginning with one clinic. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And you, probably, as the doors open,
1: it's you're going to see that there's need for many more clinics. Correct. That is what we're assuming. Uh, we right now have seventy five families in the intake pipe pipeline, and we just had our ribbon cutting and open house uh, two nights ago. So families are really desperate. Their uh, challenges and their desperation is just palpable when I've talked to them on the phone and gotten emails from them. They don't know where else to turn. They've tried therapy after therapy. They're really eager to get support from people who are viewing it through the lens of prenatal substance exposure and recognize what it is and what it isn't and ways to support the families.
0: So there are 75 families waiting. Will you be able to work with them? Is that
1: conceivable? Is that too many? Is there room for more? There is room for more. Uh, The first year or two will really be one of assessing what the need is in the community, too. Uh, In order to get funding to really create something huge, we need to be able to prove that there is a need for it. We know that there is. But to be able to demonstrate that is critical and to be able to demonstrate the impact that we're having. On children and families. So we're going to measure outcomes so that we can then take it to funders down the road and say, we've been out there for two years doing this. This is how many families have come to us. We're not able to serve everybody. And these are the outcomes we're seeing with the work that we're doing. We need to provide more. The other piece that we're hoping to do, because we recognize we can't be the end-all and be-all for everybody in the country with this sort of model, is um, document our process in developing this and create a manual uh, for our program that can then be utilized by others to to, um, create something very similar so that they won't be starting from scratch. We've been creating our own forms. We've been creating our own outcome measurements. Uh, We've been deciding what programs to use. There's a lot of trial and error involved in creating a brand new program that nobody has done before. And so we would love for others to learn from our journey and be able to take the baton and go further from there rather than starting where we did, which is really from the ground up. Yes. So we're, oh, we're eager to share. That, which is
0: makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And, and so much more can then evolve from this rather than having to start back at uh, square zero. Exactly. Ground zero. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I get emails and I get calls from families in other states and families in other parts of this state saying, we need something like that here. And it breaks my heart to set, to be able to, to have to say to them, we're in Bothell and we're not able to come there. Let us help you try to find something there in your community. And often they've tried everything that's in their community. So they feel frustrated at that point. So I really do hope for a day where, We can hear from families in certain communities that there's a need and we can connect with other agencies and other just passionate advocates in those communities to hand them our manual and provide some training and help them get started with these sorts of supports. Right. And, you know, to think
0: of doing that, creating a manual, do you actually have enough
1: staff on board with you to to do that sort of thing now as you're moving along? Yeah, we were so fortunate to get uh, funding from a private donor recently uh, specifically for that. Uh, it's a family fa- um, trust, and they specifically support foster care and FASD work, which was just a dream come true for us, such a match with a funder. You don't often run into that perfect partnership. Uh, but a lot of our family, a lot of the kids we're serving are in foster care because of yeah. the substance use issues that they uh, started out their lives with. Uh, so we serve a lot, large foster care community and then obviously fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are something that we are passionate about in treating. And so they came to us and they talked to us about how they could support our program, but not just what we provide to the families we're seeing. They view this much more globally. And so something like the training manual and having a technical writer was so appealing to them they want to be able to spread the knowledge and spread the services worldwide even and so they have their they will be funding this project for us which is just incredibly exciting oh that,
0: that is a, that is an incredible gift I, yeah. i'm sure there was great celebration over we that wish, happening yes. yeah, yeah yeah so in terms of families that come seeking help uh how do they
1: pay, or how
0: how does that all work yeah. for
1: them? One of the things that has been a core value at Wonderland all of these years is being able to serve families regardless of their ability to pay. And that is what we're going to continue. We are absolutely determined to continue that. We have our board behind us with that, which really is fantastic. You don't always have that with uh, organizations who are trying something new. It's risky. A lot of the families do have uh, public insurance, where the reimbursement rate is lower for providers. But we recognize that there's a huge need and that a lot of the families coming to us have been turned away from other places because of the public insurance that they have. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to do that. And so we have a sliding scale. We accept all insurance plans. If a family doesn't have insurance, we'll work with them. We'll even try to help them get signed up for insurance if it's something they're interested in. We just we are not going to let uh, finances and insurance get in get in the way and be a barrier for getting the support that they need.
0: So I think this is an opportune point to say, to provide that kind of service, Mm -hmm. you are a nonprofit organization. Donations from any of us who either have experienced this, uh, have been in a situation that we haven't, but we have heart for it, donations are
1: definitely uh, welcomed. Oh, they really are critical. We have an uncompensated care fund that we utilize and at wonderland we've chosen not to limit that and come up with a specific dollar amount because we may reach that limit during each year and so we really try hard to just come up and with and raise whatever funds are needed to support those families in any given year and the numbers may go up and down and we try to really adapt to that so that we're not turning anybody away and just and we're able to provide services to all but yes donations are hugely supportive of our passion and desire to support families, regardless of their ability to pay.
0: And it's something that really, if we think about it, is touching each and every one of us. Even if we're not directly impacted, we are definitely impacted. And uh, it, it if that affects our lives. Mm-hmm. It affects these the lives of these parents, of these children, and right. what their future means. So if people feel now drawn mm-hmm. to, to support, how do they do that?
1: Yeah, they can go to our website, which is www.wonderlandkids.org. Uh, they can call us. Uh, we're we're a growing agency, but our heart is still like a, that of a small agency. So they can call the main number, and any one of us will connect them with who they need to connect with. And any donation is just in- incredibly appreciated, whether it's $10, whether it's $500, whatever people are able to donate it goes to good use and it goes directly to helping the families and providing them with services. Yes, if, if we
0: think of something that is making a world of difference right here with Wonderland Kids, yeah.
1: you really are doing that sort of thing. We are, and what you were talking about with the cost to society is important. We don't often think about that, but the average cost of raising to society of raising a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is $2 million throughout their lifespan. That's the cost to society the services that they need. And so if we can get in front of it and we can provide supports and interventions early on in the child's life so that they do have an opportunity for success, that will also reduce the cost to society and the long-term supports that are needed. Oh, that is
0: so desperately needed in many ways of getting ahead of the problem. And it acts out, I'm sure, in so many different ways. But to then catch it, make those kinds of savings, but saving a life so that this person is able to be fulfilled in some way to whatever degree is possible, maybe even beyond what we imagine. Right. Right?
1: Yeah. I think with children with prenatal substance exposure, you really don't go into this kind of diagnosis knowing what the outcome is going to be and what their capability is going to be. So any interventions, any supports that can be provided are just going to enhance the, the possibility of that child having a positive outcome. And uh, I I mentioned to you earlier that my son, uh, my stepson has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And my husband and I often talk about how we don't know if there's a ceiling for him. We don't know what that would be. And so we are just raising him like we do our other kids and having high expectations for him because we want him to have the opportunity to show us all that he can do rather than assume that there are limits.
0: and having this personal experience and working with and for Wonderland kids, having that network of of the staff, of having
1: other parents involved, what has that meant for you? It's made a huge difference. When I started uh, year, several years ago, when we started looking at serving this population better and expanding our services, was right around the time that I met my now husband and met our son. Uh, and so it just was this amazing kind of congruence of my professional life and my personal life just meeting at this this point that just led me down this path. And it gave me that personal experience of what this is really about as a parent that it's very different when you're a professional and you read about this than Mm -hmm. when you're waking up with this person, this little human every morning and dealing with the challenges. So it really has been incredibly valuable. Uh, As I've been developing the program, I have been uh, getting information from other parents who are raising kids with prenatal substance exposure so that it isn't just being created with uh, the professional hat, so that we are hearing families and we're hearing what their needs are and what feels supportive to them. And I've also uh, turned to my husband. He raised our son for the first four years as a single parent. And so he has had a lot to add to the conversation, too, about his experiences raising his son by himself and as a father raising a son with this disability. Yes. There, there are a lot of voices in this. It certainly isn't just mine that has created Hope Rising Clinic. Uh, I feel like the families are sort of like I'm carrying the families with me on this journey yeah. and then also making sure that my team has the education and the knowledge and the passion that they'll be able to do good by these families and, and meet their needs. It just feels so comprehensive.
0: It feels so holistic, just really meeting such a great need head on uh, with with so many important voices being part of it.
1: Absolutely. One of the things, um, one of the, the uh, research articles that I read recently is that uh, for parents raising children with prenatal substance exposure, and this one was speaking to FASDs in particular, The level of trauma and stress is comparable to that of a a combat veteran. And that is what I see time and time again from caregivers raising these kids is that they it's almost like they're living PTSD day in and day out. Uh, It is a roller coaster every minute of every day and it's unpredictable and you think you made progress and then it's 10 steps back and you don't know where that came from and you have no idea if you're going to get back to where you even were at that point. There's a lot of unpredictability. Uh, I often say the only consistency of FASD is the inconsistency. And so living like that, it is a little bit like walking on eggshells and feeling like there's just this, this sort of imminent, this stress that just hangs over the shoulders of caregivers who are raising children with this. And so as a clinic, that is going to be one of our primary focuses. It's not just providing supports for the kids so that they can reach their full potential, but recognizing that these parents and caregivers are walking a path that you understand and that is incredibly difficult and being able to support them through it.
0: Oh, I can just feel that. I'm not doing that, but I can feel the stress has to just weigh so heavily to have anyone else just be able to listen, right. give some respite time, perhaps, that sort of thing, and feel that, oh, we're moving, we really are moving forward, mm-hmm. has to be just such a blessing and such a gift. Right. We hope so. We hope that it will provide that for families. So let's mention the website once again where people can get further information and give support. Sure. It's
1: www.wonderlandkids.org.
0: And the other thing about um, being involved and making
1: donations, I believe there's something fun coming up as well in terms of a golf tournament. Yes, we do have a golf tournament coming up, and I am not a part of the development team, so the details and the logistics are not carried around in my brain. I'm very (laughs) program-focused, but we do have a golf tournament coming up, and we also have a 50th uh, year celebration for Wonderland. So all of that is happening. Those
0: details, of course, then, of course, are on the website. They are on the website, yes. Yes. And as well, one other important factor, volunteers. Yes. There's probably room for lots of volunteers. I can just hear it in, in terms of, of being a listening ear.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. We have opportunities for observation. So if people want to come and see the work that we're doing in Early Intervention or early intervention and Hope Rising Clinic, they are welcome to. We love to have people see our passion and see the work that we're doing uh, and hopefully will inspire some people to choose careers in this yes. field. We need more people doing this work. So anything we can do to motivate people to to jump on board, we are there and excited about that. Uh, And then we also have volunteer opportunities. We run play and learn groups in the community. We have five different community play groups for children of all abilities. We welcome volunteers in those groups. We have a summer camp program for children three to five years of age that have delays or disabilities. Many of the children who attend our summer camp have autism spectrum disorder. But there are a wide range of other needs and we really depend on volunteers to help us with our summer camp programs that we have enough people with each child so that everybody's safe and well cared for and has a really good time. And then at our new clinic, we will be needing volunteers for our monthly FASD diagnostic clinic. The parents will need some time to talk with the professionals. And the child will need somebody to entertain them and play with them. So it's a fun job for somebody to take on that's interested in volunteering. Oh, I can
0: just feel how there's just so much opportunity. And and I like the idea that it could lead to career paths for some young people or maybe not so young, someone looking for a change. Mm -hmm. Well... Michelle, it has just been so wonderful and so illuminating to have you with us this morning to really let us in on what I think is a hidden secret, but is also bursting open because of Hope Rising Clinic. So thank you for this incredible work and for being here with us this morning.
1: Thank you so much for having us and for recognizing the importance of this issue and making sure that word gets out there and that everybody knows that this is a real issue And a significant concern, and that we're going to do our best to address it. Absolutely. You're welcome.